right, while the little ones are going back, if you're an adult in the room, raise your hand if you do not have Play-Doh. Everyone have Play-Doh? Oh, we need, a, we need a Play-Doh. We need a couple Play-Dohs here in the back. Raise your hands up high. Two Play-Dohs. Three. Oh, three. We need another Play-Doh. Don't, don't eat the Play-Doh. That's how COVID started, they say. I don't know. Bunch of little kids eating Play-Doh. <laughs> All right, so we're continuing this series in 1 John, and we're now to chapter 3. I believe there's five chapters, so we're moving, moving right along. We're already halfway through 1 John. It's a short book. And um, so we will be in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. And I've, and I've titled the, the name of the sermon, the title of the sermon is Created in God's Image. And as I was reading through 1 John in these specific verses, um, I began to think about a 30,000 foot view of scripture and the Bible and, and why we're on earth. And so I wanted to go back and look at Genesis chapter 1 and to get a 30,000 foot view of all the things that John is writing about in these first 10 verses in chapter 3. And so what I would like to do is I'm going to go ahead and read Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Well, my pages are stuck together. All right, here we go. All right, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And you may have heard that term before, like he created us, right? It's called the Imago Dei. Like we, God created us in his image. And so what I'd like for you to do now is we'll have a little arts and crafts time in the church. A little show and tell. You remember that from elementary school. But what I would like for you to do is take the Play-Doh. And I would like for you to create an image of yourself. Of yourself. I'll give you a few minutes to do that. An image of yourself. See who's got the artistic abilities and who doesn't. <clears throat> if you're online and you're wondering what in the world is going on, uh, what I would do is encourage you to grab a pen or a pencil, um, get a scrap piece of paper and draw an image of yourself. I'm curious, as you create an image of yourself, what characteristics you're highlighting. Keep it G-rated. You have to be anatomically correct here. 
All right, a couple more minutes. We'll get going. Anyone done yet? No. No one's done yet. If you're watching online, you're just tuning, tuning, tuning in. We're uh, creating images of ourselves with Play-Doh. That's the weirdest sermon I've ever been to. <laughs> oh, Kevin's done. All right, show and tell, Kevin. Show everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, Jack. Jack's got it. Jack's got it. All right. We got some in the back. All right. Oh, all right. Everyone look around. Look around at the images that everyone has created. Here's mine. But I think I just got a text. I felt a text come in. It's probably somebody rescinding their membership. Like, what is going on? I'm just kidding. All right, so as, you, so as you begin to look at the image that you created of yourself, I wonder what characteristics of yourself that you emphasized or highlighted. Did you make big biceps or something? But this is an image that you created of yourself, right? It's not, is, that, is that piece of Play-Doh, is it you? It's not you, but it's an image of certain characteristics of you about that specific image. Oh, what we got? Oh, wow. That's impressive. <laughs> That's really good. Of course, it'll be the artist in the room, right? So God, as we read, that he created us... In his image, the, the Imago Dei. And God created us in his image. And I wonder if you've ever stopped to think about the characteristics of God that he created in you. And God, when he created us, was not physical. He's spiritual. So it's not a physical attributes. These are other attributes that God created us in. As you begin to think about that, some, one of them is love, right? We're able to love because God first loved us. It's his character. It's his nature. God is light. The Bible talks a lot about that we can be the light of God. We see here, he says that he created them male and female, and a lot of times we think about sexuality and things when we read male and female. But I want you to also think about male and female as relationship. That God created the male and female to have relationship, to live in community. As God is the triune God had perfect relationship with himself. So relationship, that's an image that we bear of God is relationship. We bear eternity. God gave us that. He put that eternity within our hearts. He created us to work, to do things. As God creates, as we create, God created that. He created reason, free will, 
talking to someone about an injustice in their life that God put in put within us justice that we desire and we want justice for injustice that we see so those are some of the things that God created is that he created in us as he created us in his image a pastor by the name of John Piper I wanted to quote him about this he says So our existence, I I put in there in parentheses, our image is our existence, is about showing God's existence. You ever think about that? Like created in God's image, our existence is to show God's existence. Or specifically, it's about showing God's glory. We want to think and live and act and speak in such a way that we draw attention to the manifold perfections of God. The image that he created you in are the perfections of God. And I think the way we do that best, he was saying, is by being totally satisfied in those perfections ourselves. So what is the purpose and the meaning of of life? One is to live out our lives in the way that God created us, the image that he created us in. And ultimately, the purpose and the meaning of life, when you boil it all down, is to glorify God, is to be a reflection of God himself. Just as we see God in nature, a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset that reflects God, that we are created in God's image to reflect and to glorify God in all that we do and all that we are. And I believe the world that we live in, most people, myself, a lot of the times, we're just consumed with the day to day. I got to get up, I got to go to work, I got to get this accomplished, I got to do these tasks, I got to get the kids here, and I got to get back, and I got to get home, and I got to get in bed, and I got to wake up and do it all over again. The day to day activities of life, trying to say, okay, well, I'm also going to focus on getting a little more money in my 401k and do these things in the long term, and, and the, the, the tasks in life just overwhelm us. And a lot of times I think we just go along with the world to get along just to live our lives to be as comfortable as we can be. So what I want to look again is a 30,000-foot view of the Bible as it relates to what is being said here in 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to read through verse 1 through 10 just so we kind of have an overview of it, and then we'll circle back with a few of the verses. I'd like to pray, though, before we get into the Word of God. Dear Father, Lord, I, I pray that you would speak into our hearts through your word, that it would penetrate our hearts, that we would see the truth, um, that, you, that you have spoken through John to, to speak into our lives today. It wasn't written for us, it wasn't, wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. So Lord, I pray that you would speak into us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1 through 10. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. And so we are. Sorry. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. 
The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him pursues himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The, the reason that the world does not know us is that it did not know him. That we are image bearers of our Father. That we are adopted children. We have a Father who is in heaven, and we should resemble our father, right? Children resemble their father in a lot of different ways. But the difference between maybe your earthly father and your father in heaven is that we are adopted. We are adopted children into the kingdom of God. That, that God, the father, he sought us. He sought us out for adoption before, before we ever would begin to think about seeking God, that God is seeking us. He wants us. He wants to adopt us as his children to become adopted sons and daughters. So we are children and should resemble our Father who is in heaven. The Bible, again, in this verse goes on to say is that the world did not know him, didn't recognize him because it didn't know him. It didn't know Jesus. It doesn't know the Father. You see, Jesus was not of this world. As adopted sons and daughters were adopted into the kingdom of heaven, we are not of this world. Jesus was not of this world. He was from the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of heaven. May the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because Jesus is king over the kingdom of heaven. He's not of this world, and neither are we. And the world will hate you because it hated Jesus. If you look like Jesus, and you act like Jesus, and you talk like Jesus, and you're an adopted son of your father, and you look like your father, the world is going to hate you because it hated him. When Jesus was walking around the world and he's doing miracles and when he's feeding people and all these things and it's benefiting them in their daily life, they were happy and they followed after Jesus. 
The 5,000 that he fed followed him across the sea. And Jesus looked at them later and he says, the only reason you're here is because you want your belly full. He says, come and follow me. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. I don't have anywhere to sleep. I have no possessions, but come and follow me. Without the potential of any type of reward other than just following Jesus. And what happened? A lot of the disciples, most of them left. Most of them left. When Jesus says, hey, come follow me. The only thing there is left is is me. The only reward is, is me. The world does not choose Jesus because they didn't know him. When Jesus is in his trial and they say, do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? What do they say? They say, give us Barabbas. We know Barabbas. He's of this world. We know him. He's safe. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. We don't know this guy. The world hated Jesus because they didn't know him. Verse 4 through 9 speaks specifically about sin. I just read through that. There's a lot of talk about sin and righteousness and unrighteousness. And what I want to do is I want to break that down a little bit. I know when a preacher starts talking about sin, you get a little squirmy in the seed and what's going to happen. But what I want to do is break this down a little bit and I pray that your ears are open. It may be um, something that you may never heard before, specifically about sin and righteousness and unrighteousness. Okay? So talking specifically about sin here and, and what this specific section here is talking about is talking about habitual sin. Right? Habitual sin. That it's Ongoing, You're not doing anything about it. You're just thumbing your nose at God. It's, you're not repenting of it. You're not trying to fix it. It's just ongoing, continual sin. Because as Christians, we know we're all sinners, right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we're here worshiping and celebrating Jesus. Amen? But this is talking about like unrepentance, continual, habitual sin. And sin really is saying, I'm an image bearer of God. I'm a reflection of God. I have characteristics of of God. I have a purpose on earth to reflect and to glorify God. But I want to do it my way. I'm not happy with that. I want to make my own choices. I want to eat of the fruit. I want to do whatever I want to do because of pride. Right? It really boils down to, to pride. To go against, against God. We, instead of being image bearers of God, we want to be God. Right? That is really sin. But sin is not obeying God's law. It's lawlessness. Lawlessness. And when it says to live righteously, that means that you're living according to God's perfect order, perfect law, right? So living righteously is living according to how God created things. His order, his law, everything is 
perfect, living, and that's defined by the law, right? For the Ten Commandments and all those things. But living unrighteously is living by Satan's standard, which is defined by not God's law, not his perfection, but defined by the world. And earlier I said, I think a lot of the world is just saying, hey, we're just going to go along to get along. I just got to get through my day. There was a professor that had this quote and said, cultural syncretism is the single greatest threat to covenant faithfulness. Cultural syncretism, which means like herd mentality, like we're just going to do whatever the world's doing instead of knowing God's law and his perfection through the gospel of Jesus, right? So it's important to know. So example of sin, right? So let's say I'm, gonna, I'm just going to walk off this cliff. I don't care about gravity. I don't care about the rule that God's put forth about don't walk off the cliff. Like I'm just going to do things my way. I don't care what happens. I don't have to live by this rule that God made. They call it gravity. Like I can just do whatever that I want to do, and you walk off the cliff, not a good idea, right? This is what happens. Death, death and destruction. Death and destruction when, when we don't obey God's law, his perfection. Like anyone, I've never been able to overcome gravity. I don't know if you have. It's God's perfection and his rule. God, we can also see God as another example that the planets in the solar system, like everything operates so perfectly, like everything is just perfect, like our moon and where it's located and how it impacts our, our earth. And like we're in that Goldilocks uh, specific position as the earth, like we're not too hot, we're not too cold, like everything is perfect and nothing can be out of order when it comes to our solar system, and we see God's righteousness, His perfection, His perfect law of physics and gravity and all of the things that are going on in the solar system is God's righteousness. It's His perfection. Now, let's say Pluto, right? They, they downgraded Pluto, right, from a, a planet to a dwarf planet. Everyone, everyone hear that? So Pluto, he's... He's upset. He's like, come on. Like, I think I'm big enough to be a planet, but you downgraded me, so now I'm going I'm to cir- order, order, orbit around another planet. Forget you guys. I don't care what you say. Now Uranus is like, come on. Like, really? I'm upset about that. I'm upset about my name, so I'm going to go off here to the side. I'm not going per- to participate in any of this that's going on. I'm really still upset about my name. What happens if those elements are outside of God's order and his righteousness and his creation? Death and destruction. Death and destruction. It's the same way with you and I. Living outside of God's righteousness. Death and destruction outside of his perfect law, his perfect system, when pride comes in, sin comes in, death and destruction. Last verse I want to cover here, and then we're going to break this down a little bit more. I always say, 
when you're reading in the Bible, death and destruction, sin, unrighteousness, keep reading. Keep reading the Bible because you're going to get to the but. You're going to get to the good news, the good news of the gospel. So hold on just a minute. Verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And again, this is habitual, unrepentant sin, thumbing your nose at God. But it, it takes both righteousness and love. It can't be just love. It can't be just righteousness. It has to be, you've heard of truth, right? Jesus was truth and, and love. He's, John's saying like it has to be righteousness and it has to be love. It takes both as children, as children of God. So I just wanted to point that out a little bit. So it's either you live by the world or you live by Christ. Christ was the one who was righteous. Christ was the one who was all loving. He's our example. So how do we, in the application, how do we live according to God and not of this world? As sinners who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are saved. We are forgiven. But how do we continue to live according to God's righteousness and not according to this world? Well, the first one is the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to circle back to that in just a little bit. But I also want to talk about priorities. Our priorities. Now, I don't know about you, but for me specifically, sometimes I wonder, have I forgotten all the things that I learned through COVID? Right? I remember COVID like it was scary, didn't know what was happening, but I kind of got a little bit of joy out of deleting everything out of my, ca- my Google calendar. I'm like, yeah, delete, 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 delete. Everything's, everything's being canceled. Like, this is kind of nice. But I wonder sometimes if we've forgotten that lesson that we learn about slowing down, making priorities, being consistent in our, in our lives. Because I, I believe how one of the main things that we do about setting um, priorities, being consistent in our schedule, about living this life is by putting God first, right? Love me, God says. First commandment, most important commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, with all that you are. So to put God first, to seek his kingdom. We just talked about kingdom, right? Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not our righteousness, not your righteousness, not my righteousness, but seek his righteousness. Seek his kingdom first and all of these things will be added to you. What you eat, what you wear, what you do. All of these things will be added to you. So our priority should be time with God. I heard this quote at a prayer meeting I was at. It says, not spending time with God, not praying, 
not reading your Bible, whatever, is declaring as a declaration of independence from God. Not spending time with God is a declaration of independence from God. So what does spending time with God look like? What does that, what does that mean? You're probably like, well, I'm just going to say read the Bible and pray. That's what he always says. I may surprise you. That is part of it. But Jesus, he told this story. Jesus loves stories. I love stories. It's a very simple, just a couple of verses story about what does the kingdom of God look like? That's the question. What does the kingdom of God look like? And, and Jesus gave a couple of answers. One was about a treasure that was hidden in a field. And the other one was about some pearls that were found. The first one was one of my favorite stories. It's very short, very simple, but has such great meaning about the kingdom of God. It's talking about a hidden treasure. A hidden treasure. Like we can say, hey, we want to pray and read the Bible. and We try to live by the law. Like just try to live by God's law. But God doesn't, want this, God doesn't want you just to live out of fear and out of the law. He wants you to, to live out of love, out of the gospel of Jesus. So he says the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a hidden treasure. So there was a guy, he was, he was walking uh, to work just as he did every day. One day he decides, I'm going to take a shortcut through a field because I'm running late. And he walks through a field and he stumbles across a treasure. A treasure of great value. So he goes home and he sells everything that he has. Biggest yard sale you ever saw. Sells his house. Sells his cat. Like, I mean, everything's got to go to to gain enough money to buy the field so that he could own this treasure. The Bible says it was his joy. He found great pleasure in purchasing this field, taking everything that he owned and purchasing this field so that he could have the treasure. And the kingdom of God is like that. It's hidden. But when you find it, when you find the gospel of Jesus, it would be your great pleasure to give everything away, to own this treasure, to have it. To be able to spend time with God to worship him. Because you understand the depths of the gospel. You understand how much we have been forgiven. You understand what we have been given as a free gift of eternal life. Because of what Jesus gave us. This treasure, the gospel of Jesus. The more we understand it. The, it's one of, it's the most simple thing as a child could understand it. But it's also so deep that a theologian can drown in it. As we dive deeper in understanding of the gospel of Jesus, all that we have been forgiven and all that God gave us as a free gift, not by works so that no man may boast, the more that we understand that, the more that we're created in God's image, from one degree of glory to the next, we're going to look at that verse. The more that we understand, the more we live in that, the more time that we spend God because of that overflow of our love the more that we glorify God the more that we glorify God the whole purpose that we're breathing 
The whole purpose that we're here, sitting here today with air in our lungs, is to glorify God. And the Bible says, <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians 3.18, I'm going to read that to you. At the end of chapter 3, and it says, And we all with unveiled face. Remember Moses, he, he, he had seen the backside of, of God and his face. He was so bright. He was shining so bright that he had to veil his face. It says, we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, like our face is not veiled. We are to show the glory of God. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord, our whole purpose of being here, are being transformed into the same image. Let's talk about that, image, image bearers. Transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It's not that as a follower of Jesus, you're always in glory. You're always saved. You're always going to heaven. But as we spend time with God and God transforms us, saying he transforms us, we don't transform ourselves. As we spend time with God, we glorify him that God within us is creating us from one degree of glory to the next. Until the end when we become like Jesus, we saw that in the second portion of that in 1 John that we just read in chapter 3. When Jesus comes, then we'll be in our full, full glory. He transforms us from one degree of glory to the next. So as we spend time with God, we abide in God, we live and we follow Jesus. His power works in and through us and he transforms us from one degree of glory to the next so that God gets more glory. Through us. That we shine. Our, our, our image of, of the light of God shines brighter because we look, <laughs> excuse me, we look more like Jesus. And it brings more glory to God. If the whole purpose of us being here is to glorify God, when we spend time with God, because of the overflow of the gospel of Jesus, it brings God more glory. Jesus, the gospel, brings God more glory through you. And when we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, God begins to restore us back to the original image. And when others see the glory of God in you, that brings more glory to the Father. And the last thing I want to say on that is this, this is not reserved for the most religious people, right? Like pastors and all this stuff. Like This is written to you as a follower of Jesus. This isn't for the super ultra religious people. Like This is written for you. To be transformed. And it is a treasure. So God's righteousness, the law, was written so that you would know that you are a sinner. That you are unrighteous. The whole purpose, the whole part of writing down the law of God's righteousness is so that you know that there is something wrong. Something is broken. 
I am a sinner. I'm living outside of God's design. The relationship, I'm created in, in God's image to have full relationship with him and with others is broken. There is totally something wrong. But the good news is but, but Jesus. But Jesus. But Jesus came to earth to die. To be a sacrifice for our sins. If someone took your Play-Doh, maybe not you. How about think about your kids, maybe. Like if your kid made this and someone just was like, took it and was like, be upset, right? Like, it's rude. Isaiah 53. Turn there real quick. We're going to wrap it up. Hang in there with me just a minute. Isaiah 53. Verse 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Transgression is sinfully choosing to disobey. Like you're purposely choosing to disobey to sin. That includes you. That includes me. For you to say I've never done that before is to make God a liar. To purposefully choose sin. It says then, he said, but he was crushed for our iniquity. Thanks, buddy. Iniquity means habitual sin. We just read read about that in 1 John 3. Habitual sin. That God crushed Jesus. Because of our transgression and because of our iniquity, that God crushed him. And let's look at verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Some translation says that it was God's pleasure. To crush Jesus because of our sins and our iniquities. And you say, well, how in the world would God, who is all loving, do that and say that? It was his will to crush Jesus because of our sins. And it's because he was able to restore us through the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus through God crushing him on the cross because of his blood, because of his sacrifice, that he was able to restore us back to his righteousness, back to the beginning, back to the way that it's supposed to be, back to having a relationship with God. And because of that, God says, I'm going to make it so easy. All you got to do is put your faith and trust in what Jesus has done. And you will be restored. You will be righteous, not because of your iniquities, but because of my son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who is righteous. Christ will come and live in your heart. You will live in Christ. That God will see you as he sees his son as perfect, righteous, holy, just. 
That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. So your image can be restored, but we need a savior to put things back into order, to save us from death and destruction. So if you've never done that today, you can pray with me here in just a moment to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Don't miss the whole purpose of life. That's why you're here to glorify God. The only way to glorify God is through his son, Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for for today. Lord, thank you that you set your righteousness, your standard high, and you set it the way that only it could be because you are just and you are holy. You are perfect. Thank you, God, for creating us in your image. Thank you for making us the Imago Dei to be the image bearers of you. Lord, I pray today that if there's anyone here that's never confessed their sin to you to say, I'm a sinner. And Lord, I have broken your perfect law, your righteousness. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That God, I, I want to make that right with you today. I want to I want you to come live in my life. I, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus, the one who is righteous. I want to have that I want to find that treasure in the field that makes my life worthy. It gives meaning and hope and significance in my life. I'd be willing to sell it all to follow you. Lord, I pray today, if there's anyone here that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus and not themselves, they're crying out to you. Father, I want to be adopted into your kingdom. I'm tired of trying to do good enough to be right with you. And I want Jesus to be my righteousness. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for who you are. Help us to glorify you more and more. Help us to bring us from one degree of glory to the next so that other people can see your goodness, that the veil would be lifted from their hearts, that they would find the treasure that is hidden because your glory is shining through us. Lord, help us. We can't do it. Lord, if there's anyone here today living in habitual sin, I pray that they're crying out to you to forgive them. That you are just, you are faithful to forgive us of our sins. I pray, Lord, you're restoring that relationship as we pray. Lord, be with us. Teach us to worship you in this next song. Lord, we give it all to you. All God's people said.